In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to all my sons and daughters on yet another beautiful fall day. Once again, the Lord has favored us in the midst of, let us just call 2020 a strange year, and all agree on that, a beautiful fall season to rejoice ere the winter comes. And we meditate on this clear parable of our Lord about the end of history. This parable comes from Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 24, our Lord Jesus explicates clearly what will the end of the world be like, the end of history. So those two terms are really consonant. The end of the world and the end of history are identical terms. Now, we must be clear about the meaning of the parable. It would have been clear to the people Christ was speaking with. For in that era, when a couple was engaged, remember, girls usually got married around 15, 16 years old. Men would get married around 19, 20, 21 years old. And there would be a space of time, sometimes considerable, between what was called the betrothal, this guy is going to marry this girl, and then the actual time when they lived together, that they might learn one another and so forth. Our Lord Jesus uses that as a clear icon for the life of the church. The betrothed, the church, is now wedded by the bridegroom. God has wedded humanity by his incarnation, conveyed his doctrine, and given his life. Right? The bride knows the bridegroom. They understand each other. They have this period of time before there will be the consummation of it all. And just as in ancient the time of Christ, you would have these ten people, young girls who were usually family members of the bride, who would await to have this escorting, as it were, of the bride to the bridegroom's house. This is an understanding of the end of history. The bridegroom will come and will have the call for the lighting of the lamps. Now, to be clear in Matthew chapter 24, because there's all sorts of nonsense out there about this. You know not the day nor the hour. The Lord Jesus says clearly, quote, there will be wars, rumors of wars, plagues and famines, earthquakes and disasters from place to place, and that will not be the end. Then will be, and this is the interesting passage, the setting of the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew 24 that the sign, that's an exact quote, quote, the sign of the Son of Man will be set in the sky. All nations will see it and bewail it. And they will say, let the mountains cover us and the hills fall on us. That will be a sign to all the world, but it is not yet the end. Then will, the Lord says, then the Son of Man will come on a great cloud with all of his angels. St. Paul, who did not write, there was no gospel of St. Matthew for St. Paul to read. St. Paul knew the teachings of Jesus and his life. That's why he says, this is from the Lord. The dead in Christ at the end of history will be raised first, and then the living second. This is why we do not buy into any nonsensical 
a rapture theology. There is a Protestant dialectic that says, you know, there will be a time when all those in Christ are raptured from the earth. And that is nonsense directly taught against by St. Paul and our Lord Jesus, clearly. The dead in Christ are raised first, then the living. Why? When we die, each of us has the particular judgment. When I die, my soul will appear before the throne of God. If I have a lit lamp, that is an image for the life of grace. If I am in a state of grace, what's a state of grace? When a soul is baptized, original sin is washed from their soul, and the life of God is poured into them. That's the state of grace. You keep the lamp lit by making the act of faith and the life of prayer, obedience to the commandments, and above all, deeds of charity. That's keeping the lamp lit. When you die, you stand before the Lord, and a lit lamp enters glory. That's the particular judgment. There's a more particular because if you have a lit lamp but have some smudges and stains or the light grows dim, you go into purgation before you go into all holiness. Remember, all the souls in purgatory are saved. How do you lose the lit lamp? That's what we call mortal sin, when you directly reject the act of faith. When we deny in a serious way by our deeds one of the commandments of God, or we do the opposite of the work of charity. Now we have great peace in our lives because the confessional lights that lamp right back up. So that's the particular judgment. When St. Paul talks about the dead are raised first, that's because the dead have already been particularly judged. Their bodies are reunited with their souls into whatever state. If you have a lit lamp, glory or purgation unto glory. If you have not a lit lamp, the exclusio, that is what we call damnation. Those who are alive, get to have, we get to have your particular judgment there, body and soul all together, but that same notion, history ends and all are judged according to the law of Christ. Now again, end of the world stuff gets all very exciting. People love to, ooh, exciting, scary. Hmm? One, you know not the day nor the hour. Two, the, people say, is it the end, Father? Is it? Tell you what, number one, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. James, since the resurrection of Christ, we are in the end times, since then. So yes, we are in the end times. Great, covered. Two, the sign of the Son of Man will come before the end. So you won't have to wonder about my opinion on the whole affair. You will see it. Three, Wise virgins live the life of charity. All they care about is the coming of the bridegroom. Even in the parable, there is a time. Oh, the bridegroom is coming. The sign of the Son of Man is set in the sky. Now he's here. But then the Lord Jesus concludes it. He really condemns them all. He says, therefore, stay awake. You don't know the day nor the hour. All the virgins in the parable fell asleep. All. Because you and I, we don't. Heck, I could keel over dead, walk into the sacristy this morning. I think probably not. I feel pretty good, but that could happen. The joy of it all is that there is great sign from the Lord. There is baptism. 
There's the confessional that I can easily relit my life. And to quote from that beautiful passage from Wisdom that kicked it all off, Wisdom 6.12, resplendent is un and unfading is wisdom, and she is readily perceived by those who love her, found by those who seek her. Is the great joy that we can love. We can love God purely in our act of faith and prayer. We can love God mightily in our deeds of charity towards our neighbor. We can love and seek God wisely in our study. So we try not to be distracted by silly things. Football is fun, but it cannot distract you. Politics is fun, it cannot distract you. Right. January is close enough. You'll be doing your taxes before you enough. No one finds that very fun. CPAs out there, we love you. Thank God for you. Right. Don't let it, so on and so forth. School, work, all. In the seeking of wisdom, the scriptures, the catechism, the writings of the saints, all of this leaving in that life of grace so that the day the Lord comes, the bridegroom comes, we hold lamp lit, are judged happily and mercifully in the resurrection of Christ, and by his grace we'll see glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.